things, by whom also he made the worlds. We trust God will add his blessing to the reading of his own holy and errant and infallible word. Let's unite our hearts together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, as we come before you, we come before you in that name of Jesus Christ, that name which is above every name, that name that we just sing about, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, that the angels fall prostrate too. We read in the book of Philippians that to him has been given a name which is above every name, the name of the Lord Jesus. And God, we thank you that he is in that high and exalted position, that he has passed through the heavens, and he has taken his blood, and he has sprinkled it upon the very mercy seat of heaven there for us to intercede on our behalf. And there he stands as our surety, and there he stands, Lord, as the one in thy presence, and his wounds ever plead for us today. And God, we thank you, Lord, that we have access into the most holy place because of him. God, we thank you, Lord, that we have forgiveness of sin because of him. God, we thank you, Lord, that we have a home in heaven because of him. God, we thank you that we have the promise of perfect sanctification in the life to come and a glorified and resurrected body because of him. God, it is all because of him that we are here this morning. It is all because of him that we come here to read the word and to pray. And God, we pray that he would have the preeminence in this place, Lord, today. That no other name, no other person would get glory but the Lord Jesus. Not unto us, but unto thee be all the glory, the praise, and the Lord. And God, we come before thee, Lord, this morning mindful that, God, we need your help. God, I need your help as a preacher of the word. God, I pray that you would empower me with the Holy Spirit that my preaching, my teaching would not be with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that this church's faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. God, I pray for those that are listening, that are here gathered together in the sanctuary, and those that are listening by mean of live stream, that, O oh God, that Thou wouldst speak and minister to their heart a word in season to them, that, God, that You will come to where they are, and, God, that, God, You will mend the broken wounds, and that, God, that those that are discouraged, that they would find encouragement in Your Word today, that those that need correction, O oh God, that Thy swift hand of discipline would come and correct them and lead them in the right path as a loving Heavenly Father that You are. And God, I just pray today that God, for all of our churches where the men are standing and preaching the word of the Lord, that, oh God, that they would know help from heaven. And all like-minded churches have preached, thus saith the Lord, that God, that we might see a great gathering of souls today and people swept into the kingdom and thy kingdom advanced. And God, uh, we breaking forth on the right hand on the left. And God, we seeing many people coming to Christ in these days. God, we pray that you would encourage us and revive our hearts. And God, give us what we need, we pray. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anyone who can reveal God to man? 
can the unknowable God be made known? Is there a way in which man can approach God? How can sinful man be made just with a holy God? All these questions I've just asked you, if you were to walk outside and you were to look at the nice grass that has been recently mowed, and you were to look at the trees as they're blossoming, and the flowers are blooming, and you were to look at the night sky when it turns dark, and were to look at all the stars, if you were to go to the most remote place on planet Earth and look at the beauty of its creation, none of it could answer these questions for you. None, none of them. These questions all point us to the vital need of a prophet sent forth from God. But we need more than just a prophet. We need the prophet. And there are so many voices that are crying out to be heard today. There are so many crying out saying, I am the prophet. There are many saying, well, no, I'm the prophet. There are others saying, no, that one is wrong. I'm the prophet and you must listen to me. And there are so many voices crying out and begging to be heard, but we need one that speaks as clearly as the noonday sun. We need one that clearly points out how we are to enter in through the straight gate. We need a prophet that will reveal to us our sinful condition. That is the diagnosis. And one that will give us the remedy. That is a prognosis. And is there one today that can be such a prophet for us. But at this juncture, we should ask the question, what is a prophet? There's a lot of people that have their ideas about what a prophet is. Webster, in his 1828 dictionary, defines a prophet thusly. It is in Scripture a person illuminated, inspired, or instructed by God to announce future events as Moses, Elijah, David, and Isaiah, etc., now, this definition is seen clearly from the book of Numbers 12, verses 6 to 8. But to extend this definition even further, we want to consider the Greek word. And the word prophet that is translated there in verse number 1 of chapter 1 is just simply the Greek word prophetes, which we get the word prophet from. It is actually a compound word. It means that it has a suffix and a prefix. And it simply means to speak forth. And this is the idea of the Greek word, not just simply foretelling the future, but to speak forth, to declare the word of the Lord. Louis Burkhoff in his Systematic Theology says this regarding a prophet. The prophet is one who speaks forth from God. From these names taken together, we gather that a prophet is one who sees things, that is, who receives revelations, who is in the service of God, particularly as a messenger, and speaks in his name. Now, Hebrews 1 and verse 1 makes it clear that God rose up, rose, raised up messengers to speak in his name. Look with me at verse 1. God at sundry times... And in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So these men were messengers risen up by God to speak in his name. 
But this office of prophet ultimately culminates in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice what he says in verse 2. Well, let's read verse 1 in connection again with it to get the flow of the thought. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. The Westminster Larger Catechism, question 43, says, How doth Christ execute the office of a prophet? Answer, Christ executeth the office of a prophet in his revealing to the church in all ages by his spirit and word in diverse ways of administration the whole will of God and all things concerning their edification and salvation. So the Lord Jesus Christ executed his office as our prophet in revealing to the church in both Old and New Testament by his spirit and by his, way, by his word in various ways of administration the whole will of God in all things concerning our edification and salvation. Christ is, as we find here in Hebrews 1 and verse number 2, the final speaking of God. There is no further revelation than what has been given in and through Christ. God has spoken to the Old Testament prophets, and now He is speaking last of all in these last days by His Son. Now it's significant, we should just spend a moment considering that phrase, the last days. Now, there are some that are really into this, the last days. Pastor, are we living in the last days? Well, I can submit to you from Scripture that we have been living in the last days since Jesus was born on earth. Those were the days of the last days began. You go to the book of Galatians, chapter number 4, and verse number 4. You look at Ephesians 1, in verse number 10. These teach us that the last days began with Jesus coming on the scene. We have been in the last days since Jesus came to earth. And in these last days, the time period that we've been living in, since the time of Christ, God says that Jesus is the final speaking of God. And these last days, God speaks to us through His Son. God is no longer using prophets as of old and giving them dreams and visions to give us His Word. But God has appeared in the form of His Son, the second person of the Godhead, the eternal Logos, wrapped Himself in flesh and came and dwelt upon earth. And He is the final speaking forth of God. He has given us everything that we need to know. So in light of this, I want to bring the message this morning, Christ our prophet, the one who reveals to us God. Christ our prophet, the one who reveals to us God. Christ reveals to us God in three ways that I want you to consider. Christ reveals to us God immediately. He reveals to us God personally. And he reveals to us God perfectly. 
Number one, Christ as our prophet reveals to us God mediately. Now, what do I mean by mediately? Well, if you think about, think about it, Christ is our mediator. He is the go-between. But by mediately, what I mean here is that Christ executes or exercises his prophetical office through means outside of his person. Or in other words, Christ as our prophet is working through others to speak through mankind. Christ is the one who has given the message to men down through the Old Testament aeon. Christ has spoken to the prophets. Christ has spoken through the New Testament apostles. Christ speaks through the indwelling spirit of believers. And he speaks through the agencies of the ministers of the gospel. And I want us to consider that. That Christ our prophet reveals to us God immediately. And we see this first of all through his teachings of the Old Testament prophets. I want you to turn back with me to the book of Numbers now. Numbers 12. Look with me there. In Numbers 12. In verse 6. So Christ has revealed himself through others to speak to mankind, through the means of others. In Numbers 12 and verse 6, we had made reference to this earlier. He says there, and he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. So here is how God many times gave his word in the Old Testament. So Christ, the eternal Logos, the eternal Son of God, used the means of prophets to get his word out to mankind. And God spoke to these people through means of visions and dreams. And if you actually read much of the Old Testament, especially the prophets, much of what they're writing is coming by means of a vision or a dream. And we actually find in 1 Peter chapter 1, turn there with me, how it was very clear that it was Christ that guided them. In 1 Peter 1 in verse number 10. It says, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently what prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what, or what manner of time, the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So here the Bible tells us in verse 11 that it was the Spirit of Christ that was in them that was moving them, that was testifying of the sufferings and the glory that must come. So the prophets were being moved by the very Spirit of Christ. Christ was revealing God to mankind immediately or through the means of Old Testament prophets. And very clearly God made His mind known to the prophets because you have the phrase appearing again and again, Thus saith the Lord or the burden, or the oracle of God coming upon someone. Or there came a voice to me saying, and the list goes on and on. 
Christ was speaking through the means of prophets in the Old Testament. And many times these prophets were making clear what God desired His chosen people Israel to do. So we see that Christ speaks through means of prophets. But also He speaks through the New Testament apostles. God powerfully spoke to, through the prophets, but He did so as well through the apostles. These apostles were writing inspired Scripture under the direction of the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit of Christ that moved the prophets, that moved the Old Testament writers to testify of His suffering and His glory. It's the same Spirit that is now directing and moving the apostles as they are giving us the Holy, the Holy Scripture. The, whole, the apostles became the mouth of Christ after His ascension into heaven. In Acts 9, our Lord appears to Saul and gives him clear instruction as to what he is to do. In Galatians 1, 11 and 12, Paul makes it clear that his teachings are not derived from man, but rather come directly from a revelation given to him by Christ. So it was the same Spirit of Christ that moved the Old Testament prophets, that moved the New Testament apostles. And 2 Peter chapter 3, turn there with me since you're there in 1 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 14 through 16 actually equates the writings of Paul with the Old Testament scriptures. 2 Peter 3 and verse number 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. An account that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, to their own destruction. So here we find that the Holy Spirit was inspiring the writings of the apostles, and it was the same Spirit of Christ that moved them as moved the prophets. So clearly the apostles were Christ's mouthpiece in the New Testament administration of God's covenant of grace. So Christ speaks through the prophets, He speaks through the apostles, but He also thirdly speaks through the indwelling Spirit in believers. The Bible tells us in John 14 and verse 26 that He has sent forth the Comforter who would lead us into all truth. And Christ through the mediation of the Holy Spirit will illuminate the minds of His people, and the Spirit will lead them into the truth. The born-again man will be able to comprehend the Word of God because of the Spirit of God that now indwells them. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 4. The last way that Christ reveals God to us immediately, that is through the means of something else, is through the agency of the ministers of the gospel. Christ uses gospel ministers to proclaim all things whatsoever I have commanded you in Matthew 28, 20. It is through this means today that God uses to point sinners to Christ. Preachers are forth tellers. 
They are, if you will, prophets of God, not foretelling the future, but they are foretelling and forthtelling the Word of God. They are sons of thunder that proclaim the unsearchable riches of Christ. And it is preaching that is the God-ordained means of reaching the world with a message of reconciliation. I want you to see this very clearly from 1 Corinthians. Turn there with me. The 1 Corinthians 1. People today have the idea that to reach men, no, we got to remove the pulpit from the platform. We got to set a little stool up. We got to have a coffee mug on it for the pastor to give a little talk to people. And this is what's going to reach people. And you've got to shut all the lights off. You've got to bring in dark lights and, and put a spotlight down upon the pastor. You've got to have the big praise and worship band. And you've got to have all this stuff. And this is how God wants to reach people. Now this is not what God has said. God said that He uses preaching. Look with me. 1 Corinthians 1 and 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Verse 18, For the preaching of the word of the cross is foolishness to them that perish, but unto them which are saved it is the power of God. Verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God the world by wisdom knew not God it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know what God uses? The Bible says that He uses the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God speaks, Christ speaks through the preacher as He ministers the Word of God. God uses the foolishness of preaching, and it is foolish to the outside world. It is foolish for a man to stand behind a pulpit with an open Bible, with the Bible in his hand, and declare to men and women that they must repent of their sin. But God uses this to save sinners. Look with me in verse 23 as well. But we preach Christ crucified. And this word for preach, the Greek word indicates a herald. It means to lift one's voice up like a trumpet, to declare the Word of God. Preaching is not someone standing behind a pulpit and giving a lecture. Preaching is not someone standing behind the pulpit and mumbling over their words. No, God says we preach Christ. And to preach Christ you must lift up your voice like a herald. Declare what Christ has done. It should thrill the heart of the preacher and in turn thrill the heart of those that listen. In this age that we are in, God uses preaching. Never forget it. You say, well, pastor, it doesn't look like it's working today. It doesn't matter what you think. What matters is what God says in His Word. And God says He honors preaching. It is a preaching of His Word. He uses the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And it is sad that many churches are getting away from preaching and turning to chats and discussions. There's only the powerful declaration of the Word that will do and deal with the souls of men. Why is preaching so vital? The early reformers during the time of John Calvin 
there was put out a confession. It was known as the Second Helvetic Confession, one of the early confessions of the Reformed Church. And they said this in the confession, the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. Now that is very significant if you think about it. The preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. And if the preaching of the Word is so important and so vital that as a minister preaches the Word, how important should it be to us today? In the light of this, we do not need less preaching. We need more preaching. We need more the preaching of Christ. So we see that Christ as our prophet reveals to us God immediately. That is through means of others, through the means of prophets, through the means of the apostles, through the means of the indwelling spirit directing the believer, and through the means of the agency of gospel ministers, the prophet speaks to us today, the Lord Jesus from heaven. But secondly, Christ our prophet reveals to us God personally. Not just immediately, but personally. As wonderful as it is that Christ used men down through history to communicate his message, and he even uses men today that stand behind a pulpit, or you that declares the word to someone else, he is speaking through you through his word. It is a wonder of wonders that he appears personally to communicate his mind and will to mankind. Very God would wrap himself in flesh and communicate to mankind how they can be reconciled to God. But how did Christ reveal to us God personally? There are two ways that God in Christ appeared personally. First of all, in the Old Testament, Christ appeared as the angel of the Lord. This is what is known as a theophany or a Christophany. That is an appearance of Christ. Now this angel of the Lord, some have said, was the Father. I don't think that's the case because the Father uh, is spirit. But this is likely, no doubt, the Son of God, pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. The angel of the Lord. You say, well, how do you know it was Christ? Because in some of these references we will look at. The people actually gave that angel worship. And we are find out in other places. For example, in the book of the Revelation, you remember when John was given a message from one of the angels, and he bowed down to worship the angel. And remember what the angel said, Do not worship me, worship God. But this angel that we read about, the word angel actually means messenger. This was the messenger of the Lord. And this one that appeared actually received a worship and did not deny worship. So this obviously was not just any typical angel. This was a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. The first time we find the angel of the Lord, we find him in Genesis 16. I want you to turn there with me and we'll look at some of these references. In Genesis 16 and verse 10... You have Adam, you have, excuse me, Abraham that has doubted the promise as well as his wife of the promise of a son. So Abraham goes in unto Hagar, and Hagar has a son by 
Abraham in Genesis 16 and verse 10 as she is driven out into the wilderness and she is worried for her life and for the life of her son. The angel of the Lord appears. Now this is amazing. In Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 10 the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Now, no angel can give that promise. The, here is the angel saying, I will do this. I will ensure that your seed is multiplied. Notice verse 13 as well. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me. For she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Notice in verse 13, she called the name of the Lord. Notice that, all capitals, that is Jehovah. This was no mere angel. This was Jehovah that appeared to her. This was God incarnate. This was, excuse me, the pre-incarnate Christ that appeared to her. She believed that it was Jehovah that appeared to her. This is none other than Christ. Look with me in Genesis 18 and verse 1. The Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. Here you have the Lord, Jehovah, appearing before Abraham in the plains of Mamre, and he pops up a chair, as it were, and sits down next to Abraham. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Jesus coming to personally speak to Abraham. And what is he revealing to him? He's revealing to him what's going to happen to Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. Each time the angel of the Lord appears, you will find that he comes with a distinct message of revelation. Something very important to say. If you turn over to Genesis 22, you have that wonderful account of Abraham being tempted of the Lord to go up and offer his son Isaac. In Genesis 22 and verse 12, let's actually read verse 11. Oh, excuse me, we'll back up to verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took a knife to slay his son. And not a angel, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes, and behold, and he looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by the horns. Verse 15, And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Here you have a pre-incarnate son of God speaking to Abraham on the Mount Moriah. And it is believed by many that is the very same mount on which Jesus Christ was crucified. Here he was some number of years ago, thousands over about 2,000 years ago, on the Mount Moriah saying, God will provide himself a lamb. And it was he that would be that lamb that would be there upon the mount, there crucified for you and for me. We also find the angel of the Lord appearing to Jacob 
In Genesis 32, turn there with me. In Genesis 32, in verse 30, here's Jacob wrestling with the angel. And he says in verse 30, And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. This was more than an angel. This was God. I have seen God. I have seen Christ, and yet I live. Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3. Exodus 3 and verse 2. The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Verse 6, Moreover he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. This was no mere angel, this was God. The angel of the Lord is here equated with God. This was the Lord Jesus Christ in a Christophany appearing to Moses, giving him direction. You have it in Joshua chapter 5 as well. Turn there with me to Joshua 5. Joshua 5, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. A similar experience to that of Moses. Here he worships this angel, and is more than just an angel, it is God. For he says here, he says, that I have worshipped, that he worshipped him, the captain of the Lord's host. He said, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place where you stand is holy. Bringing him back to the scene that Moses was at, there at the foot of the mount. We find it in the book of Judges. Look with me in Judges 13 as well, in Judges 13, with Samson's parents. And this is a marvelous account. Judges 13 in verse 21. Here the angel of the Lord appears to Manoah and his wife and gives him the promise that they will bear a son. And the Bible says that the angel made it known to Manoah's wife and made it known to Manoah, and they come to offer sacrifice. And as they offer the sacrifice unto the Lord, the Bible says the angel of the Lord did marvelously before them. I, know, I don't know exactly what that means, but the Bible says that as that flame went up, so the angel of the Lord ascended up in that flame of fire. And the angel of the Lord did marvelously before them. But look with me in verse 21. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and to his wife. The Manoah knew that he was an angel of the Lord. 
And Manoah said unto his wife, We shall surely die, because we have seen God. Here it is again, the angel of the Lord appearing. And the last reference would be in Zechariah. Zechariah saw the angel of the Lord in Zechariah chapter 1, verse 11 through 13. He saw the angel of the Lord standing among the myrtle trees. That was a picture to us of the Lord Jesus Christ, the messenger of the Lord. So this is Christ personally bypassing the mediation of prophets and apostles. And here he is coming and bypassing this means and personally revealing his word to man in the form of the angel of the Lord, the pre-incarnate Christ. We could even say possibly that Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of peace, was a pre-incarnate Christ there with Abraham. But we move out of the Old Testament and we now move into the New Testament. And secondly, Christ reveals himself personally in the New Testament as the incarnate Lord by his teachings and by his example. Here the eternal Son wrapped himself in flesh to be our prophet among men. Moses prophesied that another would arise like unto him that Israel must heed. If you turn back with me to Deuteronomy 18, this is a very important verse as it regards Christ being our prophet. In Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15, the scripture says, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me. Unto him shall ye hearken. Verse 18 I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. So Moses prophesied that there would be another like him, a deliverer for the people. In this passage, the apostles apply directly to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look with me in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, I know this has turned into more of a Bible study this morning, but that's okay. Acts 3, in verse number 22. And Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. So here he says in Acts 3, verse 22 and 23, that the passage applies directly to Christ. We see in verse 26, Under you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you, and turning away every one of you from his iniquities. We also see that Jesus identifies himself as a prophet in Luke 13, in verse 33. And on multiple occasions, he claims that his message is divine, coming directly from God. Look with me in John chapter 8, in verse 26. And John 8, in verse 26. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. 
They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. Here Jesus is identifying himself as the messenger of God. He is identifying himself as the one that speaks on behalf of the Father. And this is what a prophet is. It is one sent as a messenger of God to speak in his name. And this is what Jesus is doing. He is sent as a messenger to speak in the name of the Father. We see in John 12 and verse number 49, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. And as our prophet, not only does he speak directly from the Father, but he also, as our prophet, speaks of what will happen in the future. All we have to do is read Matthew 24. It becomes apparent that Jesus knows very clearly what will take place in the future. And as our prophet, he speaks with authority unlike any other. In Matthew 7 and verse number 29, after Jesus ended his speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, they said that he spake not as the scribes, but he spake as one that had authority. Others said of him, never a man spake like this man. There was something different about Christ. His miracles attest that he is the prophet All we have to do is see the people that he healed, the limbs that he restored and made whole again, the people that he rose from the dead. He, in fact, is that prophet. And people recognized him as such as that prophet. You're there in John. Look with me in John 6 and verse 14. And John 6, 14. Then those men which they had seen the miracle that Jesus did said, This is of a truth. That prophet, or literally it has a definite article, this of a truth is the prophet that should come into the world. The prophet. Not just a prophet. He's not like Moses. He's not like Elijah. He's the prophet that Moses said would arise that would be like me. He is the prophet. Look with me in chapter 7 of John in verse 40. Chapter 7, verse 40. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said of a truth, this is the prophet. This is him. People recognized him as the prophet. So Jesus Christ as our prophet reveals to us God immediately through the means of prophets, apostles, the indwelling spirit, and through preachers. And Christ as our prophet reveals to us God personally. He did so in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. He revealed his message to his people. He revealed his message in time when he wrapped himself in human flesh and came forth as a messenger of God, the sinless one who proclaimed the way of salvation and how people can be reconciled to God. But Christ as our prophet last of all reveals to us God perfectly. This means there is no further need of any other so-called prophet. Jesus, we are told in John 1.18, He has declared Him. He has explained Him. He has literally told Him out. He has fully explained to us God, as it were. 
Hebrews 1-2 makes it clear that Jesus Christ is the final speaking of God. God in days and times gone by, He spoke through visions. He spoke through dreams. He spoke through prophets. This is how God worked in days gone by. But in these last days, He speaks to us through His Son. This means that there is no further need of any prophets, so-called. The revelation ended with the apostles of Christ. This is important for us to understand. Why? Because Christ said that there would be many that would arise, saying, I am Christ, and deceive many. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many, he said in Matthew 24 and verse 11. And these verses that I shared with you about Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verse 15 and 21, there's a very well-known religion, and it is vast, it is growing rapidly out of the Middle East, and it is growing all over the world. It is known as Islam. And they claim that Deuteronomy 18 and verse 15 does not relate to the prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, but relates to Muhammad. And they believe that he is the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18 and verse number 15, that he is the prophet, that he supersedes the Lord Jesus Christ. You have those uh, that are followers of Joseph Smith, the founder of the Mormon cult. And they say that he is the prophet that we should follow and bring him young and we should follow them. Then you have those that say, no, Charles Taze Russell, he was the prophet. And he was the founder of what is known as the Jehovah Witness cult. And then you have others that say, no, they weren't the prophets. Muhammad's not the prophet. Joseph Smith's not the prophet. Jesus isn't a prophet. Russell isn't the prophet. Ellen White is the prophet. And she was the founder of the Seventh-day Adventist movement. And you have others that say, well, no, they're all wrong. Actual, the papacy... He is the prophet. He is the one that speaks. The Pope is the one who has arisen. He is the vicar of Christ. He speaks in the place of Christ, and he is the one for me. But there is only one who truly revealed to God man, who truly revealed God to man perfectly. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. He did so immediately, and he did so personally. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, it was a spirit of Christ in men, moving men to pen the words of sacred scripture. And since we have a perfect prophet, we have a perfect revelation. So whenever you turn on your television set, and you turn on to some Christian programming, and you have prophet so-and-so or apostle so-and-so on your television screen telling you, God has said to me, and God has given me this revelation. They're lying to you. God has no longer given revelation to men. God gives illumination he gives understanding of his word, but God is giving no longer revelation to men. Revelation stopped when the last apostle died, the apostle John. God has given everything that you and I need to know from the book of Genesis to the book of the Revelation. Jesus is the final speaking of God. He is the prophet. He has arrived at the last to sum up all things. 
So in conclusion, there is no one who compares to the prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ. No one was born like him. No one lived like him. No one talked like him. No one walked like him. No one died like him. No one rose like him. And no one will return like the way Jesus Christ will return. There is no one like him. The supremacy of the person of Jesus Christ. There is no one that can match him. None of these men that I have mentioned to you even can hold the candle to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were to study the life of these so-called prophets like Muhammad, he lived a life of great immorality in wickedness, as well as Joseph Smith and Charles Taze Russell and Ellen White were scandalous in wicked people. But here I hold forth to you the one whom the book of Hebrews says is holy, harmless, undefiled, and separate from sinners made higher than the angels, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no one that can match him. He is the one who alone executes the office of a prophet perfectly and without fail. From Genesis to Revelation, Christ as our prophet is unfolding to men the grand story of redemption. And today you can rest satisfied in Christ as your prophet. You don't need to find any other prophet. You have the prophet, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. You need no other prophet to reveal to you the way to God, for Christ has done it. He said, that there, he said I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's as clear as it can get. Jesus said, I am the door. If any man enter through me, he shall be saved. Jesus was very clear in his statements. So do not get sidetracked by these so-called prophets today. They are not needed nor valid since we have all that God has communicated to man in the sacred scriptures. Everything regarding your edification, that is your sanctification... And your salvation is found in Christ our prophet. He has made known to you the way of salvation. He has come and spoken power to your dead spirit. He has spoken to you while you were dead, like Ezekiel said. While you are yet in your blood, I have spoken to you, live. And that's where we were one day, was it not? We were there wallowing in our blood. We were dead in trespasses and in sin. And Christ, in a moment as our prophet, spoke to us life. And if he has done this, then he will speak to you as well as a Christian in edification. He will speak words that bring sanctification to your soul. He will direct you into the perfect will of God. Last time I was here, I spoke about Christ, our shepherd, that leads us and guides us. And as our perfect prophet, he leads us and guides us into all truth. He will lead your feet where they are to go. He is a perfect prophet, for he always knows what needs to be said and when. So do you know the one who perfectly executes the office of a prophet? Do you own him not only as your prophet, but as your Savior? There's a lot of people, they want a prophet, but they don't want a Savior. He needs to be more than a prophet. He needs to be your Savior. 
He needs to be the one, not just the great teacher, but he needs to be the savior of your soul. He needs to be the one that has washed your sin. He has taken your black heart and washed it in his red blood and caused it to come out white as snow. Do you know him not only as your prophet, but as your Lord as well? There's a lot of people that want a prophet, but they don't want a Lord. There's a lot of people that want a prophet, but they don't want a Savior. But Jesus is both Lord and Savior. If you shall confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, thou shalt be saved. You know what Jesus demands as your prophet today? What Jesus demands from you is all of you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is found in the book of Proverbs. And it simply says this, My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. You know what Jesus wants today as your prophet? He wants your heart. He doesn't just want part of you. If Jesus, he wants your heart, that, that is the very center of your being. And if he has your heart, he has all of you. That means you are submitting to the Lordship of Christ. It is giving all that I am and all that... uh, It is me submitting all that I am and all that I have to all that he is. That is submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So don't just know him as your prophet. Know him as your Savior and your Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord today. We thank you for the truths of Holy Scripture. And God, it is our desire that you would stamp these things upon our hearts and our minds. And God, I pray that the things that we have considered today, God, become more to us than just merely a theological knowledge. That God, that we don't just assimilate all these facts within our mind and it never affects our heart. God, we thank you for how you have spoken how Christ has spoken as our prophet from Genesis all the way to Revelation, that he is the one that was in the prophets. The Spirit of Christ was in them, signifying and pointing to the sufferings that should come and the glories that should follow. And it's the same Spirit of Christ that was in the apostles that gave us the sacred Word of God, the New Testament. And it's the same Spirit of Christ that dwells in us today as believers. It's the same Spirit of Christ that moves the preacher to minister the Word of God. And God, we thank you that the Lord Jesus Christ did not just speak immediately, but he spoke personally. God, he appeared to men and women down through time in Old Testament and spoke to them in person. And then he wrapped himself in flesh and came and lived on earth and died in our place. And we thank you, Lord, that that perfect prophet, God, has ascended up into heaven, that that God-man now stands in the appearance of God for us. That God, he ever lives to make intercession for us. And God, even as he stands there in the glory, he doesn't even have to offer vocal prayer. God, just the wounds in his hand is a testimony to you, O God, of the great work of redemption that he has done for your people. And so, God, we pray as we would even come around this communion table now, that, O God, that thou wouldst speak to us, the God, that we would consider Christ our prophet, our priest, and our king. 
God, bless this time now around your table, we pray. We ask it in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.